It's time for episode 529 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise the Tech Podcast, where it's time for Yes Vember. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined, as always, across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons and Dragons on the internet together. It is Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I am doing well and happily celebrating Yes Vember. Thank you very much. That's where we say yes <laughs> to things, right? That's all we're all about, yes. Uh, uh, and two people who said yes to us, suckers, <laughs> are on the show this week. To my left, it is VFX artist and occasional contributor over at Six Colors, Joe Rosenstiel. Welcome back, Joe. All right. Pleasure to be back. Uh, the Southern California Bureau Chief. Um, also, <laughs> also joining us today, podcaster, business unicorn, and another occasional dungeon buddy, it's Kathy Campbell. Welcome back, Kathy. Thank you, Micah. I'm very mad at you for stealing my joke. Oh, yes, member. <laughs> That's fine. I got it in anyways. We can share it. It's fine. Uh, all okay, right. Good. Well, let's uh, kick things off. As you may recall, we're going to go through four tech topics in just 30 minutes. Let's start with mine. The upcoming iOS 17.2 beta adds the ability to capture spatial video for viewing on Vision Pro, at least on some iPhones. Do you have any plans to start capturing spatial video, even if a Vision Pro may not be in your immediate future? Joe, I suspect you may have some thoughts on this. Let's start with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first thought is uh, I don't have uh, an iPhone 15 Pro with which to shoot uh, spatial video. So uh, let's keep that in mind. The other thing is, since I'm a visual effects artist, I've done stereo 3D stuff for many years. And my my good buddy and occasional clockwise guest, uh, Dan Sturm, and I have been like pulling apart uh, what the what the spatial video format is. And it, it's 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 a left eye and a right eye, um, as you might expect. Um, and it's shot with the two lenses and there are inconsistencies between the two. And it seems like early days for what's going on there. So I don't know if I would rush out and do it myself. Also, the trade off between shooting something in 4K and shooting something 1080p widescreen only uh, is a big trade off that I'm not sure everybody is going to be on board with. I don't think I would be on board with if I had the option between the two, because you kind of have to decide, is this going to be something you post on your vertical video social sharing platform of choice? Or is this going to be a horizontal only kind of low res uh, version of a thing? Um, and what do you think you'll want to remember over time? Is it going to be more important that this had depth to it? Or is it going to be more important that this had fidelity, um, that there was more detail in it? Um, and for right now, I would lean personally more towards the detail part of it, especially without any immediate plans for certain hardware that would be used to watch said stereo stuff. Um, but uh, but that's just uh, that's just me. What about you, Micah? I kind of want them to do what they've done with portrait uh, mode where if it detects it as a photograph of a person or a dog or cat, um, it will automatically capture that depth information because yes, right now having to switch between them is not great. So if I could have it record, you know, my 4k video, but sort of 
in the background clandestinely. It's it's also capturing at 1080p uh, the the video as well, or some way of making that happen. I don't know. They they can they can figure that part out. That would be better. Um, I do think that if, you know, say I go to visit family and I get to see my nieces, maybe I'll pull out the video and record it 4K, but then right afterwards do a little 1080p with that just so that I could in the future look at it. So I don't know, like it's going to require me remembering to do it. And it is kind of picky. It'll say, you know, move back. Uh, you need more light, this, that and the other. So that I think will be a hesitation as well. So overall, probably not going to be uh, doing that. But I think if it's particularly important moments, maybe I'll record both, but I'm not going to choose to record in Vision Pro format over something that is 4K and has that higher fidelity. Kathy, your thoughts? I can't think of anything that I would want to record for that would make a difference if it was on the Vision Pro like spatial thing that I would like, oh my gosh, I need this because in 10 years, everyone's going to have something like this. You know, it'll it'll be like uh, recording on Betamax, you know, you have it and it's that vintage vibe maybe if i was you know some sort of like quote unquote filmmaker it would be something i would think about but for general stuff now nah, i'm good i think it's interesting and there is definitely some things that i think would be i'm intrigued to see how it actually plays back i mean that's the biggest problem right now is obviously nobody has a vision pro so uh you know it's only the handful of people that apple called in to show them look how great this looks um who can kind of vouch for it so the rest of us are sort of taking on faith faith you know this will look great someday if we decide to spend a ton of money on a really expensive piece of hardware uh, and as Joe pointed out, you know, only if you've got uh, the iPhone 15 Pro. So there's a limited number of people, plus the trade-offs, you know, of not being able to shoot video in as high a quality, I think adds, a, you know, an additional wrinkle there. So I think it will improve over time. I, I agree with Micah. I like the idea of this being something where it in, either captures it transparently or does some detection to figure out like is this a scene that would look good in spatial video and then can like capture it in addition to you know the uh, you know normal video I, I think we'll get there but it's going to be a while because it's still so early on in this but yeah I, I took one or two just like the other day just to see what the experience of taking it was like and the answer is you you tap a button and it just does it and then you never know uh, until you have a vision pro so and speaking <laughs> of someone who will probably not have vision pro anytime soon uh i don't think i'm going to be uh watching spatial videos anytime soon but I'm intrigued, so we'll see how it develops. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Joe. So GitHub released a set of monospace fonts that they call monospace. Um, and it made me wonder, uh, as these sorts of things do, if anybody has any strong opinions about the fonts that they use for their work or just you know, note taking in their lives. Like, is there something you have in your code editor? Is there something that you have to use when you're writing? Um, otherwise it's distracting or it looks weird or you can't, you can't get your job done. It, do you have any kind of opinion about that? Or is it just like system default all the way? What, what do you think, Micah? Uh, for the most part, it is just system defaults. Um, when I am presented with the option 
it it ends up making me kind of upset because then I do think about it. And it was like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I could change this. But now I'm thinking about it. So I have to spend the next 45 minutes deciding on what I want to settle on. I do like um, all of the San Francisco uh, typefaces that Apple has produced. And so in as many places as I can, where they're not defaults, I will set those as the default. But there have been apps like IA Writer and a few others where I have played around with with using other options like Gotham. Gotham is just hands down one of my favorite typefaces in general. But yeah, I kind of try to keep things at the default and live in denial that I can change them. Because (laughs) if I think about how I can, then I will have to spend too much time thinking about what I want it to be set to. So I've sort of let go of that desire and just leave it be. Uh, Kathy, what about you? Uh, I tend to leave the system fonts how they are. As somebody who makes way too many graphic design, like shirt designs i get way too deep in the weeds of typefaces and fonts and like how they print and and all of that that i can't do it in my regular stuff i would never get anything done but i will say that i stand firm that anyone that uses the silly script font that they have on android devices um might be a sociopath (laughs) Fonts are one of those things where I feel like I am not terribly precious about it. And there are definitely times where like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about font stuff, man. Like, because people will like judge you on your font choices. It's like, look, I just like the fonts I like. Leave me alone. Um, I was recently, I've been working on like uh, redesigning part of my website and I use one of the Google fonts that you can sort of download for free and integrate there. And it's like, is it a great font? I don't know. People would probably pick it apart, but like, it looks fine to me. Uh, I have long written all of my novel manuscripts in Optima, which is a font that I just, I don't know. Now that's just the font I associate with it. And it's like, I don't really think <laughs> about it. Like there are fonts I don't like and there are fonts I do like, but at the end of the day, I don't really spend that much time thinking about it just because... I need to get things done. Uh, And it's just not high on my list of things I actually really care about. Joe, why don't you wrap us up? Everybody will get stuck in the rabbit hole. And I also get stuck in the rabbit hole. But I do play in the rabbit hole quite a bit because I'll, I'll just spend like 20 minutes over the course of a week here and there just like fiddling around. And then I'll leave it that way for like six months to a year or more. Um, and then I'll just fiddle around with it for another week um, when some new font comes across my path. Um, but uh, it, it just is kind of a, a thing where it is a is a fun little distraction. Uh, one thing I did like about the these GitHub fonts in particular is the way that they are monospace, but can do sort of like pretend kerning within the space um, where they're not actually changing the the font width, but kind of changing the character inside of the font based on the stuff next to it. Um, and so I found it to be more pleasing. And so I, I experimented with using that in some places. Uh, they have some novelty ones that are no good. Um, and then they have uh, like Argon is one that I like, but then, you know, people who are more into like, I guess sort of a Helvetica kind of a thing might like the, uh, the neon one more. Um, but, uh, everything about that was pretty interesting and, you know, it, it's like that or courier prime or like messing around with some other stuff. And then occasionally just be Helvetica new. Um, you have no idea. It just, just, uh, 
just got to try something. Um, and oftentimes uh, it helps kill time when you should be doing something else. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite way to kill yeah. time. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which means it is halftime here at Clockwise, and I am once again incredibly excited to tell you that this week's episode is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake from Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from Frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. Uh, If you heard me talk about Wild Grain a couple weeks ago, you know I was very excited because the idea that somebody would someday send me free bread to try so I could talk to you about it on a podcast is like... I, I guess I can retire now. Um, I got a <laughs> I got a box full of some delicious things, including several loaves of bread, a sourdough loaf, sourdough sesame, uh, a ciabatta that was ooh, really good ciabatta. Uh, it was super easy to just throw them. In. in fact, too easy. I would say the riskiness for me is like, oh, I can just have a loaf of bread in the you know throw in the oven for twenty minutes and then it's ready to go and I can eat the entire thing in a day. That's really dangerous. Um, but honestly, it was great. Um, it was just really nice to be able to. Have have something hot and fresh for like to go with like dinner or something like oh we just throw a loaf of bread in um they also had like pastries we had these little apple pie bites that were pretty good my one regret as i've said before was i I didn't get any croissants to try and i was really excited about trying the croissants anyways uh you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combinations of bread pastas and pastries you like if you want a box of all bread or all pasta or all pastries yeah go for it you can have it plus for a limited time you can get 30 dollars off the first box plus free croissants in every box i wanted the free croissant when you go to wildgrain.com slash clockwise to start your subscription you heard me free croissants in every box and 30 dollars off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash clockwise that's wildgrain.com slash clockwise or you can use promo code clockwise at checkout our thanks to wildgrain for the support of this show and relay fm and my carb eating habit all right half time is over micah what do you got for us Yeah, uh, my question for you is a pretty simple one. Have you ever used or do you currently use a journaling app or service? And uh, how long did you stick with it? Or if you're continuing to stick with it, how long have you been sticking with it? Kathy, we'll start with you. I don't do an app, but I do write with a pen and paper journaling, um, mainly just to get stuff out of my head, not necessarily for memories. Um, I've thought about, you know, doing day one, there's people that have done it for like 10 years, or obviously not 10 years, because I don't think it's 10 years old, but however long it's been. Uh, And every so often, I think about that. And then I'm like, nah, too much work. Uh, So I do it by hand. Instead, the logic doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm also not a regular journaler. I've kept a paper journal in the past, but not since like my early mid 20s. I had a lot more angst and things I wanted to write about. <laughs> uh, I have tried out recently, I've been using the 17.2 beta on iOS, and I have tried the journal app on the iPhone. And I like elements of it. I like the idea that it makes it really easy to like surface, like, oh, here's the thing you did. And we will grab, grab all these pictures and like this information for you. And you just need to write something. And then I still get to the writing something to be like, yeah, I don't know. What do I write? Like, oh, that was, that was fun. I had a good time. <laughs> Post. Uh, it's the same reason I gave up blogging, honestly, for the most part. Uh, I just did not really uh, have the time or energy to spend like sort of thinking about or or processing or an- like analyzing and writing things about this. Um, so for me, I gather the idea of the journals and um, I'd like a li- little bit more of a framework even I think is something that might help me get into it. 
Um, my grandfather was a big journaler and like, if nothing else, he would like write down the weather every day. So like, even if he didn't have much to say, like, well, you know, today it was like sunny and, and, or rain or whatever. And, oh yeah, we saw these people, whatever. And I felt like it was a good kickstart for like, you know, at least there's always something to write about, right? Like, even if it's just the weather, like at least it gives you a thing to like get that into that habit. Whereas if you just sort of wait around for like, oh, what happened today? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I feel like I often just get very like, yeah, I'm really, it was a day like every other day. And I moved on. So, yeah, so far the journal app hasn't really changed that for me, but I don't know. Joe, what about you? Well, Dan, what if the journal app was using the WordPress block editor? I, Do you think you would <laughs> journal oh, more? I'm going to walk into the sea. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I don't, I'm not a journaler. Um, I, I uh, don't really have anything in my general day to day that is uh, something I want to chronicle. Uh, and as for things like, the weather or, uh, you know, activities, I, I find that that information is sort of just recorded by the use of my smartphone in general. Um, so yeah, I, I just have like ambient data available for me to look back on, but I, I don't personally need to consciously exert any effort into doing stuff to record, uh, what's going on. And if I don't remember what happened, what I had for lunch three days ago, then that's fine. <laughs> Probably wasn't that great. <laughs> It wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal. I'm not going to be like testifying in court. So it's not going to it's not going to be something where I have to or, really um, nail well, that's it. Privileged anyway, just mark it as privileged and then it won't matter. Yeah. yeah. Redacted. Yeah. Journaling is not for me. But uh, but what are, what are your thoughts on it, Micah? Uh, journaling is also not for me. And so I was just curious to see how everybody else kind of uh, felt about it. I am currently running the beta of iOS 17 at uh, 17.2 because I'm having an ongoing Bluetooth issue that I talked about on last week's episode and I wanted to see if 17.2 would fix it and it doesn't. Um, Yay. But it does come with the journaling app and I find the idea compelling where it is aware of different activities that you do throughout the day and then it can kind of prompt you. Um, and I am finding the idea of audio of voice-based journaling to be compelling. So I didn't sit down and type out a bunch of stuff, but I just hit record and started talking. So it's like a little personal podcast. So that could end up being something that I do, some sort of audio journal for myself. Um, but outside of that, yeah, journaling has just not been something that that I stick with. So I avoid it, <laughs> uh, which is something I need to journal about. Um, thank you all for your answers and jokes on that one. Let us move to our next topic, which comes from Kathy. Now that the major OS updates have been out and are at least done with a 0.1 release, I want to know, when do you tell your non-tech people in your life to update each of their devices? And do you do different recommendations for different devices? Mac OS versus iOS versus watchOS, etc.? I tend to be a person who, who advises others to upgrade on the sooner side. And and I think part of the reason for that is I, I, know, I know they won't. So exactly. I, I push them to do it and, and figure the earlier I start, the better chance they, they actually go <laughs> ahead and update it eventually. My wife is terrible about this. I'll like, oh, be like, there's a new update out. And she'll be like, yeah, I'll get to it. And it's like, 
weeks later. It's like, <laughs> and I'll eventually, the best way to do it for me is to show her something that's like in it. Like, oh, yeah, look, I'm doing this thing. And she's like, oh, how do you do that? It's like, oh, it's in it's in the update. Sorry. Oh, like, sneaky. Uh, yeah, that's my that's my biggest option. I, I don't have a lot of other people right now who depend on me for that. Like, I invariably also go over to see my parents and be realize their, fo- their phones are like four versions behind, right? Like, oh, that one is sitting there on the settings app. Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, and so I just, I'll take all their devices and just update them all. Um, it used to be, I think people held back on Macs more. I used to held back on like my production Mac. Um, it's still the one I don't run beta OS stuff on. I'll run the beta OS on my laptop, but not on my Mac mini. I'll happily now put my iPad and my iPhone and my Apple watch all on betas, um, at various times during the production cycle, if I'm testing things, but I try to keep, you know, one computer, the one that I rely on for doing my work to be on uh, something that's on the stable side. But honestly, I think in general, there are so many bugs just period everywhere that for me, even updating to a new version, you know, the fact that there might be slightly more, I just kind of live with it, honestly, because it's not like, oh, it's bug free otherwise. <laughs> so um, for me, I think I'm much less cautious, especially now about uh, updating things or you're even advising others to update. I just like, yeah, just go for it. If you're excited about new features and stuff, go for it. It's going to be fine. Joe. I don't recommend anyone do anything um, these days because <laughs> ever I've been I've been bitten by that because if they if like my boyfriend if I tell him to update um for a major version of iOS uh uh-huh. then I I will be blamed for yep. everything that's changed <laughs> and I don't I don't need to I don't, I don't that's not my fault I didn't do it uh just like write Apple uh dear Tim Apple this is like you fix it uh but for me <laughs> I don't want that to be my fault so I I don't, I don't ever recommend that I will recommend security point release updates um if there's like oh major flaw whatever in point one 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 and it's like okay uh you do that one um and I'll say it won't change any of your stuff um and I'll make sure that it to do that but then the rest of the time i leave him alone for whatever it's going to be when like dan said if he can't do something because it's not on that version or whatever i'll say that it's on the new one but i won't tell him he needs to update to the new one um and uh, i'll just i'll just leave that to run its natural course um uh because i i don't need any more like threats of going to samsung um it's just not not something i want in my life um what about uh you micah um so i'm with you and the, the i have to be careful uh what what update suggestions i make <laughs> and just sort of let it happen naturally but at the same time i get impatient if there are new features and it's, so it's like oh yeah if i want to do these new annoying stickers then i need you to be on the latest version too <laughs> so in that way i'll kind of uh encourage it and just uh, you know incur the wrath of, of whatever else might happen um i am different Kathy, I like that you asked about different devices uh, when it comes to Mac OS. Yeah, I do tend to be a little bit slower about um, encouraging others to update, but also updating myself. If it's a major version change, if it is a point release, I am telling people update immediately because as we know, your Mac is not necessarily as locked down as your iPhone is. And so I want to make sure that people are getting the security updates that they need. So yeah, the the non-tech people, I'll, you know, maybe 
give a little reminder, hey, there's a new update out um, and it has this, this and this. But really, it's about making sure that they get those security updates installed um, in the event that they are targeted by some foreign national who's after their <laughs> lucky charms. Uh, Kathy, why don't you round us out here? Uh, this question came to mind because my mom got a new phone and watch last week because they finally just crashed and burned. Um, and I spent way too much time um, updating because her phone was still on iOS 15. And so having to go through and like make sure that it would update enough to be able to transfer to the new phone. And so I was like, okay, clearly I need to pay more attention to my mom's phones so that it will have those security updates and be able to be a little bit safer because who knows what links are going to be clicked and and what you're looking at. So uh and with macOS I'm just it's it's hopeless. So I just let them kind of do what they're going to do and I might suggest it and recommend it but it's not going to I'm not going to push it too hard but iOS, definitely a little bit more pressure on it. My dad, though, is like, hey, I just watched, you know, the the fall event and here's what the, the stuff is. But he doesn't really understand what's going on. Uh, he's just excited about the the propaganda marketing behind it. So it's it's fun to talk to him about that. Kathy, I so you, we didn't agree to have your dad on the show. So it's really awkward that your dad was just on the show, <laughs> given that we sort of didn't invite him. Yeah. I thought you were going to yeah, be a special yeah. guest. And behind this door, our special <laughs> guest this week, Kathy's dad. He would have hey. told me, uh, asked me to set up his podcasting network. So I'm I'm good. I'm safe. <laughs> All right, that is four topics. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get there, I want to tell you this this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Traceroute. Recently, we told you about the upcoming CSAM Traceroute, and it's finally launched. They kicked it off by exploring one of the tech community's favorite topics, the ongoing and challenging relationship between humanity and artificial intelligence. Delving into the question, is AI our friend or our worst enemy? You won't want to miss season three of Traceroute as it returns to your favorite podcast listening platform. Traceroute is a podcast about the people who shape our digital world. Every story peels back the layers of the stack to reveal the humanity in the hardware. And season three will explore topics that can potentially shape our society in profound ways, like the intersection of tech and conservation, and how researchers are using machine learning and robotics to debug an invasive species to offer unique solutions to ecological crises. I listened to the first episode, which was about this AI interaction. So what I thought was interesting about it is... Uh, it focuses, you know, not just on the idea of AI, which we're all thinking about and like the threats and the possibilities posed by it, but also just sort of how humans relate to technology and how we humanize technology and treat it like a person in some ways. Like, you know, like, why do we have feelings about technology? Why do we feel good about it or bad about it or have like a, a like a humanistic response to it? So they talk to a bunch of different people who are sort of using AI either for like actual purposes, uh, environmental purposes, or um, even like people who are giving it like voices and ability to talk to kids about expressing feelings and stuff like that. So it's all, it's an interesting way to sort of look at that intersection between um, the more humanistic parts of it and the technology aspects. So get keyed into the conversation now, listen and subscribe to the new season of TraceRoute on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out TraceRoute now, search for T-R-A-C-E-R-O-U-T-E, or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to TraceRoute for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. 
All right, bonus topic time. Uh, when you went out to the playground as a kid, whether on your recess or on the weekend or what have you, what was your favorite thing to play on, your favorite playground structure? Joe? Well, I got to say swings, the classic. Um, and it was just, you know, swinging as high as you could swing mm-hmm. all the time on the swing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really love the slide. Too hot, um, generally. Uh, you don't want to get yourself a uh, little third degree burns as a child. So if I don't choose swing, the other one that I like it, I don't know what it's called, but it's sort of a dome of bars and yeah, you you can Mm -hmm. climb inside of it and then grab the top and you just, you just climb all over it. And then you sit right at the very top in the middle and you just feel like you are ruling the surrounding area, a king of the world, except I'm not going down in a ship. Um, and it's just delightful. So whatever that structure is called, I really like that one. Kathy, what about you? I also big swings girl, usually accompanied with singing the Reading Rainbow song because it sings about butterfly in the sky. I can fly twice as high. We would have a line of all of my friends. We would claim the swings as ours and we would just sing that song on and on. It was it was fantastic. Great memories. I'm sure everyone else hated us. But you know what? As a kid, you don't really care. The butterfly bullies. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, your gang was tough. Yeah. Uh, we like oh. to read. <laughs> We're going to make you read. Um, <laughs> those are all good answers. I, You know, I had some fondness for climbing up the slides at various times, oh, uh, yeah. which is pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, I don't know when I was a kid, this is like, I was thinking about this the other day as we took my, my son to a playground, uh, my playground in elementary school had, it was all it was like sand with like a, you know, big wood structure in it where you could climb around and stuff, but also had these buried, they were like semi tractor trailer tuck tires. Oh yeah, those are <laughs> great. Yeah, kids of a certain age, uh, I don't think they do this anymore. How much off gassing do we all take in or whatever? Uh, but yeah, they were like buried in the sand and you could like hide in between like crawl through them or like hide in them because you were like small enough to like go inside like the tube part of a tire it was wild uh yeah i guess we don't really do that as much anymore uh (laughs) hey if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week you can become a member of clockwise just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for just five dollars per month or fifty dollars a year and you'll help support the show in this week's overtime topic we reveal our online file sharing methods We've reached the end of the show, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Joe Rosensteel. Thank you so much for being here. Pleasure to be here. And Kathy Campbell, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Micah. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We'll be back next week, but we remind all of you, until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. 